With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales. All right, I'm Jay Steinbeck. Uh, thank you so much, YWales, for uh, tuning in yet again. And we have a very cool, uh, again, company today uh, with VDX Blockchain Solutions. And uh, Aerometrics here, but I want to go ahead and, and uh, kick it off to Stefan, who can give you a little little preview of what we're about to see today. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I'm super excited to see this. Um, it's like much more of an enterprise integration with blockchain. So really excited to see it works. It's very similar or it works well what I'm looking to do, and I know Jay has a bunch of cool stuff going on as well. So I think this could be a super cool and super interesting, interesting discussion. Yeah, we're, we do a lot of this very selfishly. Like we want to use your product for for our our uh, our projects. Um, so this is a great opportunity to to kind of interview you live and and have our uh, our audience uh, experience this as well. So, Emeritric, uh, how how? And I'm going to massacre your name all day. So I apologize. So, so let's start with, you know, pre-project and, and how did you get into blockchain? When did you hear, first hear about it? And, you know, what was that like? Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you more. And again, I'm, I'm so grateful. Probably the, the first thing I want to say is I'm so grateful to be here today uh, for a number of reasons. And one of them is I feel we are in a, in, in a period of time of human history and human progress that there's going to be that inflection point whereby is going to be a convergence of number of technologies. And I think blockchain will be probably at the very heart of it, whereby we're going to experience completely new, you know, new models, new ways to interact, do business, and being at the forefront and an actor of it, you know, everyone on, on the show right now and probably the listeners are embarking on a new journey. And I want to show and tell everyone that we should be very grateful to be at that time. Uh, exciting things are coming up. And if we can make an impact, uh, anyone curious, genuine about innovation and, and you know, making a difference will, 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 you know, will really enjoy this journey. So, so a bit more about myself. So, I, my, so I'm French, difficult to hide my accent. I've been living in the UK for... I'm based in London for probably 15 years, become British as well. Uh, but my background is very traditional. It's essentially investment banking, financial services, brokerage. And then interestingly, so my parents live in a very small village in France and they are farmers. And back in 2014, my mom who do not watch, t uh, you know, doesn't watch TV, but she listens to the radio a lot. And back in 2014, she mentioned about Bitcoin. And I didn't really pay attention to it. And then a year later, she mentioned again. And this time she mentioned about Ethereum, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and then I decided to look into it. And I just felt in you know, the so-called rabbit hole and discover a number of things we can talk. But I think the first takeaway is always listen to your mom because they're here for you. And secondly, when you presented an opportunity, 
always dig in. Never reject, embrace, see if it's for you, and uh, and you'll have a lot of fun doing this. So being very open-minded is, is the key. So from there, I started to uh, to get involved, you know, obviously bought Bitcoin, and we're talking 2015, got interested in Ethereum, and, you know, I fast-tracked to, you know, 2016, 2017, started to get involved in projects, actually negotiating terms of ICOs with some of those uh, ICOs, which is quite funny, because, uh, you know, at the time, you know, the price of Ethereum, talking 2017, was going mad, so... Some of the offering were probably not very, I would say, fair. So having a say on the project <clears throat> and the tokenomics is kind of new, right? In the real yeah. world, you would not be able to do so. Um, I work for an exchange uh, aiming to leverage blockchain technology to simplify you know, the trading, the clearing, and the settlement of digital assets and realize that this was a, probably a very good idea now, the issue is probably more around regulation. And if you look at the blockchain space, and we'll probably talk in more depth, there's a lot of innovation happening within crypto because it's unregulated, it's open for any form of innovation. Uh, and, and that is one of the very, very interesting bits around that is it's limitless. And I joined VDX, so we'll talk a bit more about, uh, about the, the company and the product. But I joined VDX to um, pretty much run business development, strategy, marketing, and obviously push our, our, our narrative towards the wider audience. So, so jumping, you know, into kind of the the start of VDX, you you guys didn't, you know, you didn't start as an API connector. Um, I I was reading some an old Medium article. Uh, and, and you were really trying to do document verification early on. And what, what was that thesis around? So, so our founder, Freddy Alturk, very successful uh, entrepreneur, done number of exits. He's, he's kind of a, I would say he doesn't like me to say that, but he's kind of a genius because he grasped concepts very quickly. So he sat down in 2011, looked at you know the, the Bitcoin white paper and 48 letters, he was actually mining. Um, so he's always been ahead of the curve on a number of topics, subjects. He created, I think back in 2000, the first digital radio, uh, which is called Energy Groove. Still works right now. He sold part of it. Um, but the, I think the initially was to leverage blockchain technology for very few use cases. And one of them is obviously education. Uh, if we were to fast track a number of years later, pretty much start of this year, the idea was like, look, this has to be a much bigger vision because issuance and verification of digital assets is technically applicable to any industries. Like pretty much the internet has impacted, you know, everything. And I don't know where we can talk about this, but it's interesting to discuss the evolution from web one to web two to web three which is essentially the opportunity which is open to us. But the point was initially to create an API to develop the model uh, so that we can pretty much interact with any form of protocol industries and so on. 
Yeah. So I, I'm not going to in any way stop you from talking about a journey, the journey between web one, web two and web three, because it's, it's one of the things we talk about constantly. And I'd love to just, you know, hear, hear your opinions or, or thoughts around where we are in terms of, of mm-hmm. web one you know, versus where we are today. And I, I hear people talk about, you know, anywhere from, you know, 1998, 99 to all the way back to 93, 94. Um, yes. Now, with that same understanding that, that the timelines accelerate. So um, the Web3 moves so fast that even if we're in 1993 and super early, meaning we're in dial-up modem, modem territory, which is kind of how I, I view all these, you know, little widgets and wadgets we have to use uh, to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go from 1993 to the year 2000 wouldn't take us seven years. It would be a, a very quick, um, you know, a, a much quicker, you know, two to three years to get to get down that. So I think it's interesting to see, you know, history repeats itself, but doesn't always run the same. Um, and if, if you look at and it, it's going to be relevant in the sense that, you know, Web 1 was essentially, I think Web 1 was 1990 to 2005. Web mm-hmm. 2 is, my opinion, 2005 to 2020, and we're entering Web 3. So yeah. Web Web 1 was essentially e-commerce driven. Um, it was desktop based and it was dedicated infrastructure. And, you know, it's the like of, you know, Netscape, but everything was in silos. Uh, and the way to look at it is it was read-only. Yeah, you had pages, you could look at them, and that was pretty much it. Um, Web 2 became a lot more interesting because since 2005, um, everything started to become social with the likes of you know, Facebook and, and so on. You know, the big differentiator was mobile um, because the emergence of you know, smartphones, the iPhone, uh, just enable an, a lot more, you know, a value to be created and shared. And obviously cloud-driven. Web2 is cloud-driven, which is commoditization of pretty much anything we've been using so far. Uh, so, you know, bridging the gap between the technology and the people and creation of value. Yep. And the Web2 is no longer read-only, it's write. Um, now, Web3.0 is interesting because... It's the next iteration. It's read, write, and own. And this is going to be relevant because there's been a conjunction of innovations such as AI, such as decentralization, thanks to blockchain, and obviously edge computing. Um, and this aspect of ownership is so relevant. Um, you know, if you go back to Web 2.0, where you know you you could be you know, a large influencer on, say, for example, Twitter would have millions of users. You have the green tick, makes you valuable and have a status. But when you log off or when you're not no longer using it, you, you are nothing, right? You know, you could be deprived from your, your rights, your ownership, your clients in some respect, your followers, uh, and you, you, you no longer have this as, this. Um, the sentiment of owning anything, right? Everything, all the value is captured by those big companies. Yeah, no, it's very centralized and, and very controlled. And they will tell you how you're supposed to, what you're supposed to think and how you're supposed to do versus Web3 now, which is, which is it's out there. Uh, filter it however you like. So, but please keep going. Yeah, so, so Web2 is interesting. And, and, and the reason why, 
you know, I, I, I circle back on what you were saying, you know, Web3 is going to accelerate dramatically because if we take the, 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 you know, the mobile phone, the reason why the mobile phone exploded was not just because Apple introduced a new phone. It was a conjunction of technologies, yeah? They, they use, actually, interestingly, uh, a CPU from Samsung. They use the Gorilla uh, Glass, uh, obviously Ver Verizon in the US, the 3G network. Um, so they, 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 they just aggregated a number of technologies and the timing was perfect for them to launch, you know, that product that obviously, you know, made everything available so quick and so fast. And I think for Web3, we are observing exactly the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the metaverse, big fan of what the metaverse will bring. And we'll, we can talk, you know, later on, on this very, uh, you know, seasonal and, and uh, for me, mind-blowing topic. Uh, but... Web3 is, a con again, a conjunction of technologies such as, you know, blockchain, uh, you know, AI, and, and this ability to, for the device, thanks to edge computing, to actually take control back of the data, take control back of ownership, and, and making things more fairer, cleaner, and more transparent. And that's how you actually create, you know, wealth in the in this world no and and and, and we're listen you're you're really digging yourself a big hole because now you're gonna let us talk about metaverse um so you're you're we're gonna have a, a great time here today so let, let's take a, a second and, and i really want to dive into and i thank you for 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 all that um let, let's really talk about vdx and and what that is today um, the solutions you're trying to, to solve. Um, and then I absolutely want to flow into what the future of, of Web3 and blockchain really is um, in, your, in your circle, in your mind. Um, so, but let's, yes. yeah, let's jump into VDX because it's, it's an incredible, uh, incredible product. Yeah, so I mean, you know, we, we, we're very humble in the sense that um, for the last three years, Freddy has been building in the background in steel mode uh, the VDX technology. Um, you know, there's 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 a in the in the current industry and you know blockchain, crypto. There's there's a lot of PR going around, and usually are just announcements. Whereby we're trying to take the exact opposite, um, uh, you know, mindset, which is we build in the background, and then once we're ready, and I'll talk to you about. The difference conversation which we have right now, which probably will put us on the map. Uh, so, you know, VDX, what we're trying to solve essentially is, as we mentioned, there's, there's a lot of uh, innovation around, you know, the cryptocurrency space. It's it's mind blowing. Um, you know, you're talking about DeFi, NFTs, the metaverse, and so on. Now, most of the innovation happens within the boundaries of cryptocurrency. Yeah? So you're not really tapping into global adoption. So our angle around VDX is to become the bridge between the blockchain and blockchain benefits and the real world. And are we talking applications, companies, developers, and so on? So what we developed um, is a plug-and-play API, uh, which is empowering companies developers uh, to easily leverage the benefits of blockchain so they can build and use revolution, very, uh, revolutionary applications. Um, and I'll go through a number of examples, but 
what we're trying to solve, so we are essentially a provenance as a service company. We have a sophisticated hashing algorithm whereby you can issue and verify any assets at scale. Um, and those assets could be either physical or digitally native. Now, the problem we're trying to solve here, apart from you know, global adoption of blockchain, uh, um, and if you look at the reason why blockchain is so popular and is getting a lot of, a lot of traction, you know, NFTs is just a direct application of it, is all the benefits around blockchain. And that's something that sometimes people forget about it. Uh, decentralization is one, increased trust, security, uh, cost reduction, transparency, and obviously immutability, which all in all increase efficiency. So what we solve here is as well, you know, if you look at the real world, you know, there's not too many projects which are actually leveraging blockchain technology at large scale. There are a lot of proof of concept, trials, um, but it's, it's, it's not yet, you know, used seamlessly, you know, through, you know, large organizations. And that's what we're trying to solve here. Now, the reason why this is not happening is for a number of reasons. Uh, number one is usability. It's not an easy way to, you know, to use it. All the protocols, talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Cardano, and so on, are all different. They have their own specific peculiarities. Um, there's as well a limited internal expertise across those companies, those large companies, to actually you know, use and understand what's going on. Uh, integration is a problem, the maintenance, the security, and the privacy. So all those problems explain the reason why so far there's been very little adoption of blockchain technology across the real world and large companies. Now, where we, what is interesting about VDX uh, and the way it's been built from scratch um, is the fact that we're 100% agnostic. So we developed a technology which is agile and can be deployed across a number of different you know, industries, devices, format, Format, we're talking about video, pictures, audio, documents, invoices, you know, you name it. Uh, we're agnostic as well in terms of the blockchain protocol. Yeah, we can rely and we're starting to work on a gaming project with the Solana network, but we can as well interact with Bitcoin, Ethereum. So there's no restriction on our side. And finally, infrastructure. We can deploy in any type of infrastructure from, let's say, defense companies which usually are in-premises to AWS up to decentralized, um, you know, uh, storage such as like Filecoin on Airwave. No, because you're, you're painting this perfect picture of exactly what Web3 should be. It should be chain agnostic. It should be easy to use, uh, secure and, and, and legible to the public. And so... But there's a lot of work that goes into that. And so, um, you know, to get, to get to this and you, and you guys have, when did, when did, uh, VDX start? So it started late 2017. And we've been, we've been building the, yeah, we've been building the product up to, let's say, I think the product is 95% ready. It was the uh, end of uh, last year. I'd love to hear some use cases. Yeah. I, I think the use cases would yes. be really helpful just to get like a good grasp of it. Of course, of course. And the, the, the one thing to, to, to you know, we, we build an API, uh, but just having an API doesn't really help. 
right? And it's what we've done is we build a number of different applications uh, which are actually leveraging VDX technology because our goal, our mission with VDX is to turn any portal, website, and application into a blockchain powerhouse. Um, so it's kind of essentially a decentralized infrastructure offering decentralized um, solutions. In terms of applications, um, I'll give you a number of examples. Number one, we, we designed an application called Sign App or VDX App because we can white label very easily, uh, which is essentially a DocuSign on steroids. Um, it's exactly the same thing that DocuSign, whereby you can sign a document. You know, we could sign the three of us a document uh, like DocuSign, and that's it. Now, what we added is everything is actually hashed and recorded on the blockchain. And the interest of this compared to just a DocuSign is you can verify if the contract we sign is actually legit. Yeah. Because most of documents are very easily, uh, you know, it's easy to counterfeit a document. You know, the technology we have around, even with just a simple Photoshop, is very easy to change elements uh, or, you know, different sort of signatures, date, timestamping, and so on. Now, if you rely on a record, on the blockchain, which, as we know, is completely mutable, uh, especially networks like you know Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, it becomes a lot more difficult and almost impossible to to make it uh, you know a fraud. So our application VDX Sign um, enables to prepare, sign, act, and manage any type of agreements, and as well verify those documents. Now, what you can do on top, you could add an expiry on the contract, which, in the, which is then hashed on, on, the, uh, on the blockchain. And you know, if you were to upload the document, it will tell you non, no longer that the document is legit, but as well, it's actually have expired or not. Uh, and that suddenly changed completely a simple application of signing to what we feel is more uh, a document management system. Wait, so I, I want to go back to that into some more detail. How, so how does that actually work? Okay, so I want to sign a document with you. Like, what, what actually happens? How does the data get passed around? How does it get saved? I'm super curious as to which part is VDX and then which part is Ethereum or whatever blockchain you're using. So, so we, are, we are zero knowledge proof in the sense that we will not store anything on our servers, right? So you have a document and say, for example, Stefan company creates, you know, you, you created a company uh, you, you, you create a contract that you want to sign with Jay. So you will, you will take the document, uh, and you will have it signed by Jay. And then it will be hashed. Sorry, but signed how? Like, it, does it actually get uploaded? Like, like a DocuSign. signs via his address? Yeah, yeah. Or so just we, like, you, you okay, have, so you have an interface. It's just like traditional DocuSign. Exactly. Okay. You have an interface, exactly the same. Uh, you know, Jay will receive an email, click a link. Um, and then he will sign, and that document, once it is fully signed on both sides, will be anchored on the blockchain. I so that, see. Okay. And so what v, what VDX then does is it's basically so it's DocuSign, but then the API you're you're providing basically takes that document and uploads it to Filecoin or yes. or whichever storage. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Could be as you know simple as okay. AWS. Now, now the interesting interesting bit is if I were to get this contract, I could go on your website, upload the contract, or upload it directly on VDX, 
and you will know if the contract is actually legit or not. If it's obviously permission, right? Because that document can be private, so you know no one from the public will be able to have access to it. So everything oh, is essentially okay. hashed on the blockchain, so that you, you know you'll have the certainty that this contract is actually legit. Uh, and again, you know you, you, we read every day the number of uh, you know um, counterfeit and fraud or you know data breach. Um, you know. God knows, you know, maybe tomorrow someone's going to attack the servers of DocuSign and they will be probably able to uh, backdate a number of documents and, you know, uh, you will, you know, you will not know what is true or what is not. Um, so having kind of a third party like blockchain uh, give you this comfort and, and uh, leverage the immutability aspect of it. So just uh, on, on a clarifying point, so the solution that you've built is is a combination of Web 2 and, and Web 3. So a, a lawyer who has no idea what the, you know, how the blockchain works could utilize this the okay. same, you know, the same as anything, as same as DocuSign, but they just have that v validity of, of the blockchain verification and hash. They, there's no coding yes. involved. There's no... Um, Absolutely nothing. It's, it's all okay. automated, of course, and it will sit within... For example, we're talking about Stefan company. We'll sit within Stefan's company. Yeah, wow. nothing will sit oh. with us. So, yes, does it actually upload the, the the document itself, or do you basically just upload a hash of the document the and then yes. I can rehash my document and just proof it basically? So you're yes. just uploading a proof effectively. So it's going to be super small. Yes. You can upload it to whatever Ethereum. So I'm not actually going to be able to get the document off the chain. You're effectively just uploading the the verification, so to speak, the the verification of it to yes. the block. And so that's the part you're automating. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because the <clears throat> we, we could, you know, in an ideal world, you will want to hash everything. Um, now, you know, the cost of storage, it might be a problem. It is very similar to NFTs, right? Because most of people don't probably understand that you have the hash of the NFT, and then you have the physical image of the NFT, which is stored could be an IPFS or, you know, whatever is, is chosen. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, if tomorrow Falcon becomes the, the, you know, the valuable and valid storage solution, because it's obviously very cheap, everything is possible. Now, if we go back to the, um, you know, the, the end goal here, which is global adoption of real world people, large companies, that probably will have to sit within a JP Morgan or, you know, a large, uh, you know, Walmart or retail company. Because the point is, as much as we're excited about Web3, we're going to have different iteration and evolution of, of the technology, right? Um, you know, I don't see a Walmart being 100%, you know, Web3 tomorrow, but there will be different uh, steps. And that's where we want to help because obviously we want all of this to be completely decentralized and involved as in governments, uh, but it will take probably a little more time around this. Yeah, I'm curious on that. Are you guys open source as well? Like, are you kind of doing more the Web3 approach or the more Web2 approach? Because it feels like you're kind of bridging the two things. Yeah, so it's probably 2.5, yeah. So we're not, we're not yet open source, um, but we are, you know, the, the, the goal is the more success we'll have, the more open we'll be, for sure. It's been, a, okay, you know, cool. a lot of a lot of work done around, uh, you know, obviously OIP, the way we, you know, the way we model, uh, you know, or, 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 or algo and, and so on. Um, but yeah, 
the more successful we'll be, the more uh, we'll be open for sure. And so is your goal to keep building actual products like the DocuSign-like product, or are you looking to build just the API bridges and then more provide the API bridge to someone like DocuSign and have them integrate more with blockchain? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think the goal here is, you know, the latter, which is we do want to be a company where we, we, we call ourselves, you know, the Twilio of blockchain because we just want to be a minting machine uh, that can essentially hash and enable any company's businesses and industries to verify those assets. Now, what we've done is we build, um, we build applications to highlight the potential of the technology. I'm happy to give you another example. Right. Um, it's a typical, you know, size business. We call it provenance as a service, but where, where it becomes more interesting and more scalable is to have people using the technology, you know, imagine to have, you know, marketplace whereby people could actually design applications and leverage the technology. Um, now, I have another application we build, we build four of them. The other application is um, what we call VDX it, which is an NFT app. Um, and what it does, it gives uh, users the ability to immediately crystallize, I would say capture, encrypt, um, and own you know, the, the assets. Say, for example, you take with the app, you take an, a picture of yourself and you know, Rockstar, you, you hash it on the blockchain immediately, and suddenly you become actually owner of this asset. So it's kind of on-the-go application, and you immediately actually own the uh, you know the the NFT, um, and this application uh, can deal with any type of format, photo, video, documents, and so on. Now, this is where it becomes interesting because we build this application again to highlight the capabilities of our API. Now, we got approached by um, one of the largest. And I can't say the name, but one of the largest um, Premier League football club. And that's exactly what they want to build. And, you know, most likely we're going to ink something very, very soon. Uh, but they wanted to have an application which is enabling their fans around the world to connect better. Because, right, right, you know, right now they have fans in Latin America, Africa and Asia. There is no way for them to connect. And the NFT revolution will enable them to create a lot more value, visibility, engagement, and our application is a good fit for them. Um, now, we, we didn't build it on purpose. We just said, look, that's something available. Now, in the real world, people could just uh, have already, you know, like, for example, DocuSign could just integrate with us very easily to have this bridge with the blockchain technology, right? So, so let me jump over to the NFT concept to make sure I understand. So what they're trying to do is as they're taking pictures of, of games or have interviews post or, or pre or post game, they're instead of just uploading them to their website and saying, here they are, they're uploading them with the fact that it's already created an NFT as ownership all at the same time. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so. The use case for them and probably a lot more, you know, sports companies, brands to go, you know, very wide up to fashion and luxury is to create content. Now, to make that content interesting, we need to make it available. And that's, the, you know, the big creation of NFTs, yeah? 
uh, this ability to have an asset, which could be, you know, the 100 top goals of Club X. Um, it could be, you know, the, you know, the top players, the legacy players, um, the, you know, whatever, whatever they created. Uh, and giving the ability to, there's two ways. One is the club to release collections and you can do a segmentation around, you know, the, the top high end to the one which are more affordable to, you know, um, lower budget. And as well, another angle will be for creators and fans of the club to self-generate uh, interesting content, which obviously will become NFTs and potentially tradable. You can add gamification around this marketplace. You create a whole new universe, which then will relate and derive to the metaverse because that's the vision of this club. So what VDX is doing is in both of these cases is you're, you're truly acting as an API as to be able to speed up a process to integrate it into mm -hmm. the blockchain. You're not, you're, you, I think it's very interesting how you talk about web 2.5, meaning that you're using the standards that we have today. Everyone knows there's plenty of upload tools. There's plenty of, of ways to take a picture and upload it to a website, you know, instantaneous because that's what, that's what fans are. They need instant replays, instant this. Um, and so instead of taking those files, downloading them, going and uploading them through, through some other source, uh, they're just able to integrate your API into their workflow. So picture, download, and then hash on the chain, then, yes. then it's uploading to, to their website where the fans can then interact. They can sell them, they can buy them, um, those things there. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it within, within an app. So the app is ready for the oh. end user. But the point is, it's like you have your phone, Yep. There's an app and then you just take pictures and it will anchor it immediately on the blockchain. And then obviously we'll integrate with marketplaces, which we are conversation right now. Um, and think about the gamification of, uh, it can be as simple as, you know, if you were to collect three NFTs, uh, you will go through potentially a lottery, which gives you the ability to meet one of the top player. Uh, this application will be used by players themselves they could have some form of royalties with the club um, on whatever is sold through the app. Um, so it's it's really open. It's essentially giving the tool to create. And as we know, if we talk about Web3, it's about engagement. It's about creation of value. Uh, it's become, you know, going from a passive user to actually an ambassador. And if tomorrow you're a supporter of whatever club and you've been given a voice, to actually explain uh, and, and demonstrate your love for the club, your creativity will probably serve you very well because some of those creations will become viral, meaning that you as well as a creator could become, um, you know, incentivized to, uh, to, to add value to the club and the brand equity of the brand. So I want to take a, a, a quick second here and I'm, I'm just going to pull up your website. Um, and, and one of the... Um, one of the, the charts you have on here, I think is relevant as people are, are watching this. Um, you truly view yourselves as an intermediary. You're, you know, the fact that you're creating a product is not generally what you do because you guys, I mean, you've got in here food traceability, healthcare, red tape management, defense supply contracting, land registry, energy consumption, in game. I mean, like you've, 
like it doesn't matter if it's trying to do a web two verification solution you're just bringing that hash onto the onto on chain um and and connecting those two dots whatever it may be correct yeah i mean the you know the the interesting bit is for example for the nfts what the app which is obviously leveraging the api does it just very simplistically show you that you're the owner of the asset in a very simple way so it's sometimes it's not reinventing the wheel is giving you accessibility so simple information uh, and here is obviously the verification but as well the creation now if we look at all those use cases um, we have we have a number of conversations i mean th there's another app we work so we, we're talking right now is one of the competitors of spotify you know and i'm not i'm not saying spotify is evil uh, but it's still uh, we're still in the you know the very heart of web 2.0 where they have an agenda your creator, uh, you're probably going to have um, very little uh, royalties um, around, you know, around your um, your content. But the competitor of Spotify we're talking right now, and we're very enthusiastic that we should be able to, you know, seal something before end of Q1, is completely to change the way music is run. And, and I want to do a parenthesis about, you know, the music industry. If you compare it with the gaming industry. So the music industry, in terms of revenues every year, generates around $20 billion. Yeah? The gaming industry <clears throat> is $145 billion. And the music industry, sorry, the movie industry is $45 billion. So the question will be, how come the music industry is seven times smaller than the gaming industry? And the reason is because the music industry is very closed. Um, you know, it's a very closed loop. There's just a few music publishers. Everything is locked and opaque in some respect. Um, the assets are not very open. Uh, where if you look at the gaming industry, this is an interesting one because gaming went from a long time ago from, you know, pay to play. You bought your game, you play on your PlayStation and that's it. Uh, to a model which is more free to play which is the model we're observing right now, which is very, obviously, generate 145 billion per year, which is, it's free to play. Now, if you want add-ons, if you want to buy a skin, and if you want to have status within that game, you're going to have to actually buy some of those assets. And now what we're evolving towards is the earn to play, which has been obviously created more or less by Axie Affinity, whereby your efforts will be incentivized uh, with, with obviously tokens and the ability to, to sell those tokens for a monetary equivalent. Now, if I go back on the music industry, there's no reason that the music industry could not go as high as the gaming industry. And to do that, you need to start to empower musicians, which are the very heart of the music industry, with the right tools and the right model. So. You know, if you look at the music industry, you have recording, um, you have mixing, editing, publishing, sync, streamline, online store, and so on. And all of this could actually be digitized. All this metadata, the metadata, all the music catalog songs, all the different steps undertaken to create a song 
could be starting from one person, then you have another person, a singer, a mixer. You could actually create the whole chain of data with the right amount of royalties split between all of them. So if you were to put all this metadata on the blockchain, it will significantly improve uh, you know, the immutability uh, and, and obviously the, the transferability of those assets. Because essentially that's what we're trying to do here is to help a company to become a lot more open. And as we know, the more open you are, the easier it will flow, it will create network, network effects and music will be a lot more available, free to use and easier to actually monetize because it's transparent. That makes sense. I'm just going, I'm, I'm on your website at the same time and I'm looking at the apps that you guys have, have developed. And the first thing that comes to mind with everything you're doing is how big is your team? Yeah, that's no, a good, it's a good question. So we, uh, <clears throat> we've been very, um, very lean for the last four years. So we are seven people and I'm, uh, I'm the only, I'm the non tech person. Um, so we, you know, Freddie obviously is, uh, is our guru is uh, in charge of, you know, the vision and, and creating the whole, um, you know, the whole architecture. And then we have developers, we have head of development, architects. So very small and lean and humble team. I, I think I would love a more in-depth explanation of like which part of that cycle the product actually performs, right? Because like obviously DocuSign, like what, what the product you're actually trying to sell, which sounds like it's the APIs, like, how does the integration actually work if I'm DocuSign, right? Because your goal is not to build your own apps, right? Your goal sounds like it's be the API provider. So I'd love to just get some more technical understanding of mm -hmm. how that, like, how does the integration work? Do I just sign up and I get an API toolkit? Like how, like, I would love to just kind of get a, a better sense yes. for that. How do I pick up the API? Oh, you, you have endpoints um, and, um, and uh, you just use the, you know, the documentation, the swagger, and all, all the documentation, you, you don't need to understand blockchain, right? You just need to understand, the, you know, endpoints. Uh, so we have some form of, you know, documentation. Um, and, and, and that's pretty much it. So what, if I'm understanding that, so basically it's something more like, I go to your website, I download your API documentation, and then yes. I can load your API into whatever my app, and I can say, hey, uh, upload this image, or I do an API call that is basically like, upload this image to Ethereum. And then you do everything else and whatever, here's my address, here's my private keys, all that stuff. Right. And then yes. the whole, whole thing gets, you ship effectively that, that product to the blockchain. And then, yes. so it's, it's more of an upload tool effectively. Do I get that right? Where yes. you upload a hash to the blockchain via API. Yes, correct. Yes. What, what is important? Cause obviously I'm not, Freddie is the tech person, right? So given the fact that we have IP related to our algo, there are things you know we can't we probably can't say. Uh, the, sure. the the one the one thing I want to emphasize is, you know, we we are working um, you know to close a number of deals, which obviously will put us on the map, um, and and that will probably expand a little bit more the capabilities around you know the technical aspect. But I I won't be able to go through a deep dive on you know, the way the technology works because, you know, that will be more conversation with Freddie and he might not actually not re release, um, you know, you know, because, and you rightly pointed out. Yeah, no, that was super helpful. That was, 
Yeah, that was pretty much what I was trying to get to. So your customer market then is like, it's more just an enterprise IT team, right? So if you're whatever, a soccer club and you have an IT team of 60 people that runs your website and does all this stuff, instead of them having to learn, well, how the hell do we block, uh, like post something to, how the hell do we create an NFT on Ethereum? Basically, they come to you and just use your API. And so then it's really true that Twilio, where they pay you a quarter of a cent to use your API, you do the posting, they have an address set up, all that stuff. And so you're really trying to just basically disintermediate the IT team from having to learn blockchain. And so you're just making it a lot easier for them to use uh, blockchain. It's it's not, you know, if, if you go through the whole spectrum of, you know, blockchain, you know, there's some very complex technologies what we're trying to do here is to go after the low low hanging fruits, because we know that very soon, um, you know, it's going to be adoption from those companies that probably try to, you know, use technologies like Hyperledger. If you look at trade finance, uh, there's been a number of attempts, and we feel that we're very well positioned to actually get the call from large companies that will use very simple use cases, like for example. Uh, traceability, you know, uh, the, 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 one of the, again, one of the interesting point about our APIs, we can deal with scale. So if you're a large retailer or Walmart, you're sitting with millions and millions of SKUs, references. Um, we have a conversation right now with um, a large RFID manufacturer, yeah? So barcode. They work with mm-hmm. any form of industries, yeah? From closing to retail, food and so on. And for this company, their fear is to become the next Kodak in the sense that, you know, they need to have an additional layer of value. And the value is provided by blockchain because suddenly everyone across the chain from, you know, the manufacturer, the, uh, you know, the the exporter, the distributor and the retailer up to the consumer can have actually access to the data, which obviously more data will give more, uh, you know, information. Um, obviously, it has to be permission accordingly. But you, you again, you go from silo uh, systems to actually something which is more more open, and that's why this two point. It's probably not even two point five. It's probably two point thirty five uh, web, because we need to be patient because the moment. We're going to see an, you know, traction from real-world applications uh, leveraging blockchain, and now it's going to be in the press. No longer it's going to be only Bitcoin and you know the price of cryptocurrencies, but the fact that an Adobe or a DocuSign is actually leveraging blockchain. And just one point on DocuSign: DocuSign tried the experiment with blockchain three years ago, and they failed. And we're trying to push them um, to revisit the case because there are very easy ways through our technology to just enable that bridge. Wait, why did it fail? Which part failed? I think it was, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the cost was one, but as well the infrastructure. Because in any, in, in any uh, you know, software development, uh, you know, stages, the key one is the start. So if you build on the wrong infrastructure, or your design is not fit for the future, you might be stuck. Um, you know, if you build on... Uh, sure. Yeah. What were they doing? They were doing something similar where they were trying to upload a hash and then yeah. it just didn't end up pan out? Or what was... Correct. Okay, interesting. Yes. yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so... And, and they are not the... Un- yeah, sorry. 
Mm-hmm. Oh no. So, so real quick, and, and this is a good point to make. Um, so blockchain is, you know, super secure and, you know, transparent and everything else, but it's, it's in most cases, not speed, <laughs> fast or speedy in some cases, not cheap. So when you're talking about something like, you know, somebody that wants to do millions of SKUs, millions of hashes, and, and that's probably millions of, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of transactions, uh, an, an hour and plus and ramping up. Which chain would you even today put that on, and and how would you know uh, VDX you know manage the the backlogs of of these these hashes onto you know some more chains? Because if you try to write it all on Ethereum, you know it, it's extremely expensive. If you're going to try to roll it up, um, you know it doesn't always kind of get in there. So how does how are you, you get where I'm going with this? Yeah. So I mean, the, the, I think the the initial point is whatever the customer wants to do, right? If we're talking with a large manufacturer, they're going to have probably restrictions. They might say, you know, Bitcoin, not a big fan. Um, they might elect to go through a layer two. Um, there's there's a, number, a number of different chains. And again, for us, we're completely agnostic. So we'll probably do some research and see, you know, for that particular use case, you know, do you need to hash immediately? Do you need to? So it, there's a number of components that we could we would take into consideration, um, and the other aspect we can do as well is to mint across different blockchain at the same time. Yeah, that's something we can do as well. Uh, reinforce the level of security. But if if tomorrow uh, I don't know Polygon, uh, which seems to have very low um, you know transaction fees, is the right solution? Why not? It's, uh, you know, Solana right now, obviously, it's got a lot of momentum. The transaction fee seems to be very low. If tomorrow it's no longer the case, you could always swap and go and jump on another chain. So there's that, that flexibility that if you were to build on a private or permission blockchain, uh, you're stuck with one model, where in our case, it's whatever the customer wants, knowing the constraints and the restrictions, and being future-proof because tomorrow might be different. So if today, and this is just a, a, a curious question, today mm-hmm. I've got to write a million, a million transactions a day. Who, who's who's the fastest one that you're use, that you guys are currently using? So we we started to work with a, a gaming project which come which just came with a very innovative concept on uh, you know kind of another iteration of the. Uh, earn to play model and decision has been made to go on Solana because it sounds like um, you know at the time the right <clears throat> it seems to be the right momentum uh, God knows maybe there's going to be layer two on Solana I don't know uh, but that's that's kind of the that's kind of the logic that right now these these people are actually going for so Solana interesting is there anything that we didn't cover uh, around your platforms uh, that you want the users to kind of be aware of? Because um, there's there's so much. You're you're so broad, but you're also very narrow in your scope. But you you just you cross over so many industries. What, what, one thing that could be done is, and we find it very interesting. So we have the VDX ID, which is essentially biometric recognition. So that will give you this what we call the you know, blockchain power to FA. So you will hash your identity on the blockchain. 
using obviously AI and machine learning, um, that would be actually very interesting uh, for this, you know, 2FA blockchain powered aspect. Now, if you were to... Wait, sorry, how does it work? What do you, what do you mean you hash your bio-identity? So you will, you will take a picture of yourself and that picture mm -hmm. will be hashed and anchored on the blockchain. Now, okay. I'll, give you, I'll give you an example because we had the inquiry from a tier three bank in the UK. And that bank, the problem they have is, you know, when you go, uh, so, the, the, you know, the Wall Street in London is called Canai Wharf. And they have like plenty of buildings full of probably 50, 20,000 people each building. So the point is, every time you have your access badge, you enter the premises, you swipe your badge, you enter, done. Now, what is the probability for that bank to know that whoever has the badge is the right person? So the thinking they had was, what about if we had a system, which we don't have to trust, where the user will, you know, when they're close to the gate, will scan the face, the picture will be hashed and compare with the hash on the blockchain that you've done initially as a, you know, when you set up your account. Um, obviously, what Wait, but the hash of one is, picture would be different than the original picture, right? Correct, I mean, unless you but take an identical where, picture every time. Correct, correct. Now that's where we link it with AI and machine learning because it will take a consideration the 3D aspect, the distance between your eyes. Obviously today mm -hmm. you're wearing glasses, a hat. Uh, so, the, and the, the other thing is the more you go to work, uh, the more hash it will be done and then you will have actually sometimes an average of it. So uh, we've done a few tests. It's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but that will solve the problem of not having the right people in the right building. So what you're saying is that every time they walk through, you're not only comparing to that original hash, but you're adding every single time they walk through that go. gate. So if they've been there for 10 years, clearly they're different than their original picture. Correct. Um, Correct. And they, they, so it's, it's just this living data. So you're able to use it for yes. security, security, but uh, you know, when do they come in and out as well? So, mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't follow yes. that, but the hash is just a one-way encryption effectively, you cannot tell anything from a hash. So how does comparing it to a previous hash do anything? No, what, what you do is every time you, you, you scan your, your face through the app, mm -hmm. it will compare with the previous hash. Now the previous hash could be rehashed with all the previous hash. But that's not how hashes work. I mean, if you compare hashes, it doesn't tell you anything. I mean, a hash is completely informationless. You can, you have to rehash the same original picture to be able to match it, but the hash doesn't have any information in it, except, right? I mean, what do, the hash wouldn't tell you anything. There's, a, there's an aspect I can't disclose, which obviously will, will answer your point because that's kind of proprietary, but we found a way to actually make it work so that um, it, and I agree with you, completely agree, because that, that's, uh, that's the initial thought, but we have found a system whereby every time you will come, it will check the record on the blockchain and ensure that you're the person you're supposed to be. Um, but that's that's something we cool. we've been developing in the background. Yes, yes. I, I think I think um, Stefan, you got to remember he's he's Web two point three, two point three five. So so yes. there's a mix of of you know standard standard things because uh, the company's you know not not all that could live on 
on on chain because it's just too slow. Someone walking in, you know, literally, I'm guessing is just walking past a camera. They're not going to stand there and hang out for for 50 seconds while the thing, you know, downloads from Filecoin. Um, so it's it's really an interesting uh, deal. I, I'd like to take a second and start and start pivoting um, because, uh, Americ, you're you have this vision and and your company truly has a, a vision for for the future of what blockchain can and and almost should be and and it's really hard to go out more than more than 12 to to you know 24 months in in this world but but what is what really is exciting you guys i mean obviously your projects currently but but what's really captured your attentions uh of theoretical uh possibilities I mean, our, our goal is, again, to empower those companies and, uh, and businesses with tools that will make the world more efficient, trustworthy, and transparent. Um, and, you know, if tomorrow, and, you know, we'll see what happens with a number of, you know, pipelines we're working right now, right now, our name or our technology is being utilized, that will, that will put us on the map. Meaning that it means that it's no longer a question of business, question of, you know, are we, are we right in what we're doing? Because, you know, like any business, any startup, you come with the willingness to change something, to make an impact. And we feel that right now the timing is perfect, even though most of the innovation happens within the boundaries of, of, of crypto. And our bet and our vision is this will expand toward the real world, uh, which maybe doesn't excite too many people within the crypto space. But we think there's immense value to be, you know, to be brought in the same fashion that, you know, cloud computing just increase and commoditize a number of different industries. We feel that blockchain, if we can, you know, have an impact in that sense, um, you know, if we can tomorrow enable... Uh, the tracking and the provenance for diamonds, and we can facilitate that, that would be a very noble uh, mission. So, and uh, yeah, it's, um, you're talking about tickets. We started to have conversation with, um, you know, there's this, um, this issue with tickets where tickets sometimes very interesting. You know, one of the things that, that I'm, it, it's starting to become very clear is, is you guys have embraced Web2. Um, you've embraced cloud computing, uh, SaaS systems and everything that's there. And, and your, and your goal is not to take these existing, which is what happens a lot right now is to take your existing business model and throw all that away and try to put it all hundred percent on chain. Um, you're, you're, you're giving them the, the way to dip their toe in the water and say, look, your business, your yes. business works. You're selling tickets. You have platforms. You have solutions that you've probably invested, you know, millions and millions of dollars into. Here's how you can at least start to utilize the blockchain technology. And, and wherever they go from there, I'm sure you'll be, you'll be part of that journey. But, but that, that's correct. You're just, you're just giving them access without having to restructure mm -hmm. everything they're doing today. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, we feel that those are hanging, low hanging fruits. And the interesting bit is the, you know, the replication of it. You know, if tomorrow that competitor of Spotify jump in and we develop the whole system and suddenly, you know, other competitors feel that, you know, they want to gain more market shares or they want to be more fair with the musicians, uh, um, you know, monetize better the music catalog or make it more fairer for everyone. 
to have the ability to probably invest at early stage in an artist. I mean, all those bits will be facilitated. If I don't know if you've seen, but Andre Sonorovitz invested 55 million in a platform called Royal, which is essentially trying to achieve this in the sense that you're an artist, you come in and you'll be able to very easily mint uh, your music. And, and essentially what we're trying to do is that competitor of Spotify. Um, so the market is massive. No one is really tapping into it. There is no expert in the space because everything has to be done, right? Um, and, and you know, you know, blockchain is a, you know, is is a, what two trillion dollar industry. If you were to implement all of this towards the real world, we're talking, you know, tens and tens of trillions of dollars of value, which take us maybe at some point to the metaverse because the metaverse is another extension of our world. And that's going to be bigger than what we experienced so far. So that's where we want to go. But to do it properly, we need to have, you know, uh, those, those early adopters in the real world. So let's, let's leave the VDX world. What, what are you interested in? What have you seen recently um, just in blockchain, NFT, gaming, metaverse? There's, you know, I think mm-hmm. 8,000 metaverses getting ready to launch. Uh, we had a bunch of people over at uh, NFT uh, Basel. And it was just like, yeah, there's, you know, every, every third table was a new metaverse launching. What, what are you seeing that mm-hmm. really gets you excited? I think the... I think we, we, we are going to end. I mean, 2011 was definitely the year of NFTs. And right now, it's, you know, the gaming industry is massive. And that's where, you know, NFTs are starting to mingling with gaming, DeFi, this new concept of uh, game, GameFi. Yeah. Um, so, but I, what, what, what gets her inter- in, interested is to have like large brands. I was mentioning about the football club, maybe Formula One. These people taking, you know, the, the game, uh, uh, you know, a step further because most of those brands, they have a massive, you know, um, let's say reputation, uh, audience, followers, and so on. What, what, what we found where would be very interesting is these brands to embrace, uh, you know, the blockchain, you know, revolution with NFTs, and giving more power to their followers, users, and fans. That to me is very interesting because it's, you know, it's, it's a lot more inclusive. We're talking a lot, you know, lately around diversity. Um, and, and, and that to, to us is very interesting. Um, so, you know, the, the metaverse, and I'm not necessarily a fan of, of Facebook, but I think Facebook has done an immense uh, you know, work for everyone around, you know, the crypto space with the metaverse because they put the notion out there that, you know, every user of Facebook now is aware of metaverse and meta. It's a difficult concept to explain, but it's out there and that's great. I, yeah, I'm upset that they kind of stole the name meta, but that's okay. So now we're, we're, we're all in a search for the new, the new name that we can call it to not give them any... Uh, <laughs> any credence to, to circle back on your on your point you know i think the metaverse is i have a feeling that the metaverse is more or less we're 98 when internet was created yeah so people are more or less aware but obviously there's a lot of work to be done in the space from you know content um 
from culture. Culture is very important. Communities, that's what actually is the juice of Web 3.0. The medium, the way to access the metaverse, the infrastructure, and as well protocol and, uh, and standards. Um, so these things will, will evolve, but it's, to, to me, I'm, I'm completely, you know, we can talk more about the metaverse, but what happened in the past is completely logical to get this conjunction of concepts to materialize in something that now is called the metaverse and will will probably, you know, the full version of all those metaverses will probably, uh, you know, maybe in five years time, everything's going to be operated or most of, uh, you know, economical activities could be actually operated through it. We could actually do, uh, uh, um, you know, um, a podcast with our glasses at some point uh, or, or mask. But yeah, this is to me the most exciting bit around around the space right now. Yeah, very good. Listen, we, and, and and to be clear, we tried to do we tried to figure out how to do that, and then mm -hmm. we gave up because there quite, there was no way to record it, and everything <laughs> else was going to be a disaster. Um, in in your mind, what's and, and this is a I'm throwing you on the spot here. What are what are the top three things that a metaverse is going to have to have to be successful? So I mean, the the it starts with. Um, you know, culture, because culture is important. Um, having the right infrastructure and having the right, the, you know, the correct hardware, because without any of these three, I don't think we're going to go anywhere. Um, and these things are being built, right? Um, so the, what, what I found very interesting about the metaverse is the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily need to wear those glasses. Yeah, you could interact with your phone as well. Um, you know, someone could be within the space, you could be outside, but you could interact with it. And I think that's the bridge that becomes a lot more interesting. Because if everyone has to wear glasses or head headsets, that will probably limit a little bit in the short term. Um, now, if, you know, someone is 100% in it and I can log in with my phone, just have a conf call, you know, it's multi, you know, there's a number of different experiences around that. Um, but I think what, what is what is interesting about the metaverse, because um, th there's different ways to actually, you know, define it. Um, and, you know, we could spend an hour to define it. But I think, you know, people say it's a virtual world. I would say probably not, because if it was only a virtual world, virtual worlds exist for a long time. Um, so it's, it has to be a combination of social, it's live, it's persistent, meaning that it's, um, it's not something that reset or pause, it just continues. Um, it's uh, hardware agnostic. So the fact that you can log in with different headsets or just your phone and interact, I think that's very important for you know, the slow, you know, the adoption of, of the whole concept as a whole. It has to be interoperable in the sense that uh, we're talking now different type of blockchains, different type of protocols. Uh, the, the fact that you have the ability to jump from one world to the other world with the same skin or the same gun and so on, which are things we could probably help. Um, it's what I think will be economically very fertile because whoever you are from being an individual, a company or an agency, you will be able to create, buy, sell, lease, invest 
in any form of assets. Um, you know, there's, uh, I was reading a, an article yesterday and they said that, you know, it will be billions of versions of shoes, clothes that will be worn on the metaverse. So sky's the limit, you know, when you, when you see that a Gucci metaverse shoe sell almost 50% 50, 50 higher than the real shoe, that shows you how powerful mm -hmm. the concept is. Um, and obviously it will be content rich. So it will be the best incubator of ideas for developing the crazier things we haven't even thought about. Uh, and that's why I think the metaverse is so exciting is, yeah, this ability to be more in control, um, you know, more participation, more interactive and, uh, you know, more expensive. It, it, and, and expensive is kind of a, 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 a different term because when, when you talk about some of these things selling for, you know, a, a hundred ETH or, or 500 ETH, it really depends on when they got into ETH. Um, you know, somebody could have a, a basis of $2 um, in there. Mm. So there's, there's really, um, you know, er, being early to the game is almost crucial. To, to, and that's why I, we see, you know, in Y whales and, and everything we do, we see people enter and then within a few weeks, they become frantic. They, they literally become frantic as if they've, they've missed something and they have to go in so yeah. fast. And, and how, so, which, which is a, a term called FOMO. Um, you know, what, what do you, what do you see as kind of the, the, the biggest projects out there now? Um, and none of this is financial advice. This is just opinions. Um, but what do you see out there that you actually think has legs that can run with it? I mean, we see Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, bringing insane money. Um, but, but do you think that long term, um, that those are going to continue to, to grow in value the way they are? Yeah, I mean, the projects like, you know, CryptoPunks, um, you know, Bored Apes are kind of genesis blocks, in my opinion. Uh, so I think the value will definitely, you know, increase, you know, the, the usual scarcity. And they all introduce something new. I mean, CryptoPunks just created the whole space. So that's normal that, you know, maybe five, ten years time that could go to the millions, or the, you know, the, the, you know, the lowest, uh, the lowest price. So. You know, they, there's a reason why there's accrued value in it is because they introduce, you know, 10,000 of them. It's scarce. They have different characteristics. Um, you know, elegantly, it's very simple. It's very, uh, you know, elegant. Um, and uh, they serve as avatars as well. So someone like G-Money, you probably know G-Money, uh, build all his uh, followership thanks to actually his CryptoPunk, his ape, and he's followed by the likes of Mark Cubans and, and so on. So um, I think what is interesting in the space as a whole and the NFT space is good ideas are always handsomely rewarded. Now, there's a lot of copycats. You know, people are just replicating the same models all day long. Uh, so whoever comes with the bright ideas, the new models, I, I liked a lot beginning of 2021 20, in February, there was a project called Hashmasks. If you know this one? Mm -mm. I, I found it very interesting because Hashmasks was something, I think it was 13,000 masks. Uh, now, you as a user could be part of the creative process whereby you could actually, thanks to a cryptocurrency, rename the name of the art. Um, and I think the, the, you know, the design was pretty cool. 
the economics interesting, um, but they introduced something new, which is the renaming of your NFT. Um, so yeah, Hashmask is, uh, is a very, very interesting project. Um, very cool. No, I'd, the, I'd never uh, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, and th this one was literally in February, 1st of February, you know, 2021. So before the massive wave. Um, and these people introduced some pretty cool thing. I think it's stored on the IPFS. Um, and they got some traction. Now, the reality as well is how do you dynamize your, uh, your community? Because a lot of those projects, you know, get a lot of tractions at the beginning. And then suddenly nothing happens because there's no community or it was just, um, you know, um, some form of uh, money grab or, or everything. So I'm, I'm very keen on, there's another project if you want to check called, um, what is the, um, what is the um, Divine Anarchy? Divine Anarchy. So Divine Anarchy is, is very interesting because it's um, is a community. So it's you have different blood bloodlines, um, and you are part of tribes, and you vote on certain outcomes. You can sacrifice yourself. Um, I think it's very brilliant. It's a social game, and there's a lot of game theory around the ability to uh, to take action, to create groups. Uh, you know. There's uh, this governance aspect. It's really well thought, and um, and I'm a big fan. I, I I got a few of them, but I think um, in terms of the game around it, the ability to take action and make uh, some form of uh, you know uh, decision making is is uh, is interesting. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. Hey, listen, and uh, got It looks like it's in kind of that that lull state of not in hype yes. mode anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I'll I'll go ape into that one here shortly. Not financial mm -hmm. advice. No one ever do. No one should ever do anything I do. Um, I I burn ETH like it's you know going out of style. America. Um, really, I, I got to tell you, this has been absolutely fascinating. We're, we're kind of at, you know, an hour and, and 20 minutes of recording. Um, I, I don't, you, you're extremely busy. You've got a million projects going on. Uh, it, it's very late there, uh, in, in London. Um, is there anything else you'd like to kind of communicate with, um, with, with our base, uh, community as well as, you know, how can they reach you or if there's more interest, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, so in you know, visidocs.com, that's the website. Um, I'm running now an experiment. Um, so I just deleted my uh, Twitter account and I'm just going to create a new one. So it's called 100x mindset. Um, but the point we're trying to do is the reason I deleted my Twitter account is because I no longer want to, um, you know, I've been reading on blockchain for the last eight years and because we have some interesting project coming in, I want to start to reflect on real, real use cases um, that will start to comment because it's one thing to talk about things you're not at the very heart of it. And there's another thing when you are at the very middle and you can actually share your takeaways, like, you know, if this football club comes in, if this RFID large retailer comes in, will be very keen, I'll be keen to actually reflect on it and and show people how things are actually evolving. There's no, 
What, have you looked at BitClouds or the, the Deso blockchain? Are you familiar with that? Um, yes. Okay. Any opinions? I, I don't know enough about this. I know I, I read a little bit on it, but tell, tell me. So, so Deso is, is its own uh, chain. So Deso is, is uh, a layer one and they are designed to be social first. Um, so Deso uh, is, is built by Nader. He's been around uh, a very long time and it's, it allows you to monetize and own. The, the great thing is because they're a layer one, um, anyone can build an app on top of there. So there's no ability for Twitter or any centralized way to say, we don't like what America's saying. We don't like mm-hmm. this type of thing mm-hmm. and, and to turn you off. Um, you can have, uh, any, any app can, can produce it, um, can read off and read right off of it. Uh, and the users can monetize their own, uh, their tweets, their NFTs and everything related to it. But yeah, I, I would say absolutely take take a look at that because if you're saying you're willing to start over and and you're you're yes. clearly believers in in blockchain, uh, we support them. Mm-hmm. We we have a, a Y Whale uh, account there, and um, I'll, I'll shoot you a, a text on there. And we'll we'll follow you. Awesome. Okay. I mean, the, the 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 last point I wanted to to point is, you know, get whoever you know hears about you know crypto, blockchain, metaverse, NFTs. You just get involved. Open the door because the best opportunities are coming. Um, you know, I remember when Gary V mentioned about social, uh, you know, social media back in 2005, and some people build careers on top of this. Now, what's coming now is going to be bigger. And you're going to have, you know, social influencers in the metaverse, and, and there are a lot of seats to be taken. And I think it will not be a good thing to get more, um, you know, familiar with what's going on in the, in the space. I think the, the opportunities are tremendous. It, it's never ending. It's never, um, never sleeps. <laughs> and I mean, I've never seen anything like it because the community is, is beyond, is also beyond anything I've ever seen. You can, we can reach out to anyone and have a very open candid conversation because yes. we all want to see web three succeed. And so, uh, I, I thank you for taking the time today and really helping to educate and more than just BDX, but really to educate, uh, you know, our, our community, um, on, on what it took to get here and where you believe it should go. And, and the fact that, um, I really uh, appreciate the fact that you guys are looking to not just go straight web three, but you're bridging the gap between two, two and three. And I think that's a very important uh, business that's, that's, that no one has paid much attention to yet. All right. Well, um, thank you so much. Uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, end this recording now and uh, we'll catch you on the next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. 
Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.